Hey guys. All right, let's get started today. Welcome to Table Retreat, guys. I hope you've been having fun. Hope you've been having fun. Been having a first. Guys, the first night was so good. I heard some of you guys stayed up till 3 a.m. Okay. Really working on that first part. Good job. Good job. We'll work on that when we get back. That's what retreats are for. Hope you guys have a blast. Hope you guys have fun and, uh, and flirt it up. Okay, don't, don't, yeah, don't pretend like we haven't seen that. Don't pretend like we haven't seen that. We're not calling anything out, no pointing. It's what the college ministry experience is for. Guys, we hope, we hope this retreat, we hope this retreat is special to you. It's a, it's something, it's a special way where we, as a community of believers, get away from everything, get away from all the white noise that life can be, and just come together and experience the love of God and the love of one another. Some of us really struggle with that, and so in all the fun and, and craziness that this is, we hope that you get to experience that, that, that you get to experience God in a new way this week. Um... If I can just come back to this, this model, I hope you guys take this to heart. This is, remember uh, if Ephesians 2.10, um, Paul, Drew, I called Drew Paul. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Drew pointed out that Paul said that our, our aim is to be made into his workmanship, that we are made for his works. And it starts out moving up, if I could just say it like this. That we start on the gospel, we always start with grace, and then we move up and we learn what it is to be a man and a woman, okay? Just a responsible human being, okay? A man and a woman of God, what that means, uh, Scott's going to tell us um, later today, a man and a woman of God and on his mission, and so... That's what I hope today. We're talking about the works that God has prepared for us in Ephesians 2.10. But I have an intro question for you. Um, what is your dream job? I'm going to have you guys talk amongst yourselves for a little bit. What is your dream job? What is the job that you feel like you were made for? Okay, like, like J.C. Cash tells me that when she has spreadsheets in her hands... That sounds like heaven to her, okay? I'm pretty sure she's on the right path, okay? What is your dream job? Go ahead and talk about that for a second. All right, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. I didn't, honestly, probably this. I know it sounds silly. Yeah, this. 
this, this, this. Okay, I just just give th someone throw out two, just two dream jobs. Well, well, give me give me two. Who's got one? Who's got one? Veterinarian. Okay, she's on the right path, chasing her dream. One more. Professional baseball. Player. Professional baseball. <laughs> hey, sometimes dreams don't work out. You know. Hey, hey, you got better dreams for you, okay? God has better plans for you. All right, next question. Next question. If your parents were to answer that question for you, what would they have said you should have answered? You know what I'm saying? What should your dream job have been? Talk about that for a few seconds. Talk about that. My dad honestly wouldn't answer that. He did not care. He said, you're going to choose your path. Do what you love. Mom would probably have said this. <laughs> uh. All right, all right. Give me, I want to hear two more. Well, give me, give me, who's got one? What would their parents have said? I, I want to hear it. MRS. <laughs> Why aren't you married? Get off my back, Mom. That's, that's true for all of us. That's true for all of us. All right, Anna Grace, what do you got? Physician's assistant, yeah. Physician's assistant, and why aren't you married? I'm sorry, Mom. I'm sorry. That's awesome. Final question for today, and this is rhetorical. Don't worry, this is rhetorical. If your father in heaven were to answer that same question, what would he say? What were you made for? This phrase, we like to say, is what is your calling? What is your calling? What is the purpose of your life? And this freaks some people out, okay? Who, who hears the word calling and the idea that there's a plan that God has for me and I'm like, I, I wake, stay awake at night. Who, who was those, some of those people? Okay, some of them, some of them. I'm one of them. Actually, I was one of them. I think I've stopped caring as I've grown older. You stop caring about things. Um, the idea that God has a plan for my life and that I might not be on that plan, oh, it's scary. God has a plan for us. God has a job title, if you will, a main mission for your life. So many of us treat the mission of Jesus kind of like, like a side hustle, like a side mission, like my true calling in life is to be in finances. My true calling is to go into Houston and make it big or Dallas or whatever it is the OSU students want to be. That's my true mission. And Jesus, yeah, his mission, I'll tack it on. That's, that's how, we don't, we don't say it that way. But that's kind of how we act. What is your calling? If I can start with us today, I'm going to read 
Matthew 9, 37-38, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into it. Matthew 9, 37-38, if you would like to turn there, you're welcome to. Um, Thirty-seven, nine, thirty-seven to thirty-eight. It says this: The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray therefore that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into His harvest. Would you pray with me, Father God? You have given us a mission. You have given us a calling. Each and every one of us, you have a plan for us to do good works. Sometimes it's hard to see. Sometimes we get so swamped in what we think our life is, what we think we're entitled to, the expectations, what, what life owes us. God, I ask that you would show us your plan for life and fill, us, fill our eyes with a view of your kingdom. And make everything in our life, God, help us seek your kingdom in everything. Give us pure hearts. And help us seek it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God has given us job titles. Here's some of them. Okay, he, and if, it's coming from Ephesians 4. We'll be in it a little bit later. Uh, teachers, preachers, evangelists, servants. Uh, one of my favorites comes from 2 Corinthians 5. He calls us ambassadors of reconciliation. It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on God's behalf, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So where do you fit in that? Like if, if God were to give you a job title, what would, what would that be for you? What is your calling? And today our, our main text is going to be Matthew 28, 16 through 20. It's the Great Commission. Many of us have heard it before. You can go ahead and turn there. That's going to be our main text. I'm just going to start reading. It says this. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. For those of you that have more of a, a doubting bent, an intellectual bent, there you go. It's right there. The early church, they're seeing the resurrected Lord. And said, some doubted. There you go. Then Jesus came to them and said... All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. The very first thing he said, if we're asking what is our mission, what is our purpose, what is our calling, the very first thing he says is, Go and make disciples. So first question is, what is a disciple? Like, what is a disciple? And I think a a very stark contrast that we should have is a disciple versus a convert. Okay? A convert is someone who shows up when it's fun. A convert is someone who shows up when we're offering Chick-fil-A and Granitas like we do every now and then. We're okay. We're not ashamed of that. Whatever gets people into the gates of the kingdom of God. Come on. We have Granitas. A convert is someone who's here, but when it gets hard, 
They just kind of quietly walk out the back door, you know? That's what a convert is. I'm only here so far. I'm not really committed. I've got certain parts of my life that are closed off. That's what a convert is. A disciple, however, is someone who every area of their life is open to the Lord. As Jesus says, teaching them to obey everything I commanded them. There's nothing in here in Scripture that we're, he's, that we're to be ashamed of. A disciple says, I know where my authority structure is, and I'm, I'm going to build my life on it. He who builds his life on the rock is a wise man. He who builds his life on the sands, when the storms come, poof, dumb. I'm not even a builder. In Jesus' words, a disciple must become, must obey everything himself. And our first thought tonight, when we're talking about calling, is you, to become missional, have to become a disciple yourself. Okay? If we have a spectrum here, okay, and we have this mystical line that I don't really get to judge. I, want, I didn't want to draw, you can just, I would just draw a line over here, so I'm not going to actually draw it. A mystical line. A disciple is right here. Your goal as a disciple is to go further and further and further and further, infinitely that way, until you grow and grow. Everything in your life is surrendered to Jesus. Freshmen and sophomores, your main goal right now is simply to be discipled. That's it. That's why we're not asking big things of you. We're not asking you to be leaders. We're not asking you to be servants pouring yourself back into the ministry. Guys, you like just got here. Some of us, I was one of them, is like, no, no, no. I'm mature, Alec. Yeah, I'm I'm Alec talking to Alec. (laughs) Alec, I'm mature. I was raised in the church. I know this stuff. I'm good. But like, honestly... I mean, one, like, you just, found out, you just found out where North Classroom Building was. Yeah, that was a big surprise, okay? Two, you still don't know what your Oki account is. I don't know what that is. And I was there for three years, okay? And three, Paul says in Ephesians 3, the Apostle Paul says that, Everything in my life, I am seeking to just surrender Jesus and grow. Everything in the past was worthless. And I have not attained maturity yet. If the Apostle Paul does not say that he has attained maturity yet, you, freshman and sophomore, really don't get to say that. I don't get to say that. We don't get to say that. Your turn right now is just to grow, just to dig deep, buy into everything we have, and be discipled. That's all we're asking you right now. Seniors and juniors, this is the time in your ministry where you have grown, okay? We've taught you what hermeneutics is. We've taught you exegesis. We've gone through that that thing over and over again, you know? You've been discipled. You've met with people over and over. You have places in your life where your influence has built. This is your time where you should be using that influence for the kingdom of God. What legacy 
are you going to leave in Stillwater? What kingdom are you going to build? Is it just going to be someone who was really involved on campus and then they were, they were that fun person and then dipped out? You built your kingdom. You have all this influence. This is your turn to make it for the kingdom of God, to be as missional as you can. That's your job, seniors and juniors. So, what is this about calling? It's like, it's like my calling right now, discipleship, we're thinking discipleship, is that like, am I like supposed to be like, like Scott? Like Scott but unpaid? Is that what it is? No. You can never be Scott. I have tried. He is way too far down that list. But that's not it. That's not it fully. It's not quite it. Your job is to embody discipleship, and your job is also to go back to evangelism, to be missional. What was the first word that Jesus said in his command, in his commission? Go. Okay? We Christians, we're so focused on growing. Like there's this, like to become spiritual means that I I know and I pray and I'm just getting deeper and deeper and wiser and wiser. And yet Jesus, the first word that he said is go. And that's where we're like, I'm good. I don't want to do that. I'm sorry. And yet we're thinking we're growing. If the first word that he said we can't do, then I'm just going to be honest. I'm not saying that you're not growing in other areas, but there's something missing. The first word is go. Are we going? Maybe we haven't grown if we haven't even tried going. And maybe, second thought, your idea of going is a bad one. When you think of evangelism, what do you think of? Okay? Some of us think of this idea of proselytizing. That's kind of the cuss word for evangelism. Okay? This religions that, you know, (laughs) the Mormons on their bikes. You know, no, no one likes them. I'm sorry. Okay? Actually, I have a lot of friends that are Mormons, and they annoy me too. Um... We think, of, we think of people on street corners saying things to whoever cares without any care who they're talking to. We think of this idea of coming up to someone, hey, you, know, you, want, Jesus, you want Jesus Christ? You want, eternal, you want eternal kingdom of God? No? Okay, all right. All right what you, Jesus Christ? You want Jesus Christ? Yeah, uh, a little bit. All right, I'll come back to you. Uh, find me on GroupMe, you know? <laughs> it's like that evangelism... I'm not going to knock that because I know people's lives have been changed. But as American culture is becoming more and more post-Christian and is becoming tired of that, then maybe our idea of evangelism has to change too. Maybe when it comes to evangelism, you should only evangelize friends. And what do I mean by that? Maybe you should seek to build up such relationships with actually care about people. Like, you go to the places where people don't know Christ, 
You get to know them. You take your time with them. Not Christ. All right, next one. Christ. Next, you know, you plant yourself there. And then over time, as you build up what's called a relational currency, this fun word, I'm going to spell it out for you because most of you will misspell it. Rapport. R-A-P-P-O-R-T. Rapport. It might be French. Who knows? As you build up with rapport with people, you earn the right. You earn the right to have these conversations with people. Your evangelism is not come and go. It's come, stay, get to know, and you speak gospel to them. you got to go, and you got to stay. It takes a lot of intentionality. It takes a lot of prayer. Are you praying for these people? Do you have people in mind, and are you praying for them often? And are you praying for yourself? One of the biggest things when it comes to seeking people out for the name of Christ, why we don't do it, is because we fear man more than we fear God. I'm more scared of what you guys think than what God thinks. I'm more scared of what you guys think are cool than what the Lord God Almighty thinks is cool. If you guys think I'm lame, I would die inside. If God thinks I acted lame, then, I don't know, maybe I'll just repent later. Something's backwards there. Are you praying to actually fear God and be motivated by His love for people? Because He is wanting to send you to places to love them and to speak words to them. And the last thing I'll say on the topic of evangelism is you have to listen and speak with the gospel. You have to listen and speak with the gospel. Okay? Speaking the gospel, we're going to get to that in a little bit, basically is most of us don't really know the gospel. It's kind of weird. When I'm 25 in an adult life group and people have been in college ministry one time for the whole time and ask them, hey, could you tell me what the gospel is? And they're like, not really sure. That should say something. As Christians, if the gospel isn't on our lips daily, that should say something. There's something off. The gospel should be everything we are. And are you listening with the gospel in mind? How can I speak, listen with grace, care about them enough, and be able to speak with getting the gospel in a way that they understand? Listen and speak with the gospel. Your calling is discipleship. Your calling has evangelism too. But if I could sum it up like this, College students, if I could just sum it up. Let me say it like this. It's not so much of it as a your calling as an our calling. And this one's unpopular. I don't know if it's unpopular among you, but I'm going to say it anyway. But I'm going to say it with a metaphor. Okay? When I was in high school, I was in sports. And in the locker room, anything goes. Okay, locker room humor, you have to develop thick walls. Okay, show no weakness. As soon as you let anyone know that you have any sort of like, oh, Alec doesn't like the fact that he's bald, boom! (laughs) You're, 
It's coming your way, buddy. You know what I mean? You got to develop thick walls. Anything would go in locker room humor. Except one joke. One joke was always off limits among guys. I'm not going to ask for opinions right now because I was actually kind of scared what you would say. <laughs> and it's mama jokes. Like, I don't know what it is about guys. We don't, like, it's like, oh, it's all cool, it's all cool. But, like, what did you just say? You just, you just talk about my mama, dude? Okay, you step back. Or you're like, you know, I'm, never, I'm not a fist fight guy. I'd lose. But I'll, I don't know, talk to the principal, you know? <laughs> mama jokes were unacceptable. There's something about it. Let me, Ephesians 5 says this. The church is the bride of Christ. And one church father says this. St. Cyprian, 200 AD. No one can have God as father who does not have the church as mother. No one can have God as father who does not have the church as mother. It is so common among college students to think, I'm on mission, I'm doing parachurch, screw the church. The church is full of messed up people, full of hypocrites, leave it be. Except that's not what Christ says. You don't make fun of a man's wife, you don't make fun of, a man, of anyone's mother, and you've just made fun of Jesus' bride and my mom, and your mom. If you are a Christian, your mother is the church. God has given the church a calling. It is our calling in Christ. Your mission, your calling, is in the church. And what are you doing? How are you living that out right now? Are you going to be the type that... I'm going to just sit, I'm just going to take in, and I'm going to walk out the back door, you might be a convert. Or are you going to be the type that uses the very mission of Christ as a reason, saying, I'm doing it, the church is not, and so I'm going to leave the church. The church has the calling. Christ gave the apostles to build the church. Ephesians 4 says this, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building the body of Christ until all of us attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, maturity to the measure of the fullness of Christ. God gave the church the mission to bring people in and to make all of us as far, as close as we can to Christ. Your mission, your calling, is completely bound in the church. Are you living that out now? Is there walls in you, hurt in the past, that's keeping you from that? Because my brother and sister, I think you've got to deal with that. I think Christ wants to heal you from that. This is your main mission. Not building a 401k. Not getting a cushy life in the suburbs. I think, I'm speaking for me at least, I think I'd be bored with that, you know. Just get enough money 
get the most toys at the end of life. It's kind of a boring mission. Your mission is to serve Jesus with everything you have, and that mission is in the church. The beauty of missionaries is that they never have to question what their purpose is in life. They already know. That's you. I want to give you five to six personal habits before I send you out to your groups. Okay? Remember, choose one. Just choose one. Don't overload yourself because you'll be breaking the bottom pyramid. Here's some of them. I will pray regularly, and by this, at least four times a week, for a friend of mine to know Christ. I will pray regularly four times a week for a friend to know Christ. I will intentionally serve the mission of Christ, the mission of, of Christ and the mission of my church by, and then you fill in the blank. I will intentionally serve the mission of the church by fill in the blank. I will regularly attend several places seeking to build relationships there for the kingdom of God. I will regularly attend places seeking to build relationships there for the kingdom of God. I will practice speaking the truth in parentheses with wisdom and grace no matter the cost of myself in every area of life. I will speak the truth with wisdom and grace, no matter cost to myself. And I'll be very intentional with opening my life up to others. Eating, working out, studying, etc. Viewing it all with missional lenses. And finally, I will talk about the gospel daily. My words will be gospel. Those are habits, and then break up into your groups, and then in about 15 minutes or so, we will call us back. Break.